Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter, Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manop. Jill, how are you feeling? I feel good to be back. Hey, Danny. I'm glad you're back, too. We were just talking about the New York City Marathon and how neither of us have any interest in running 26 miles anytime soon. Uh, but congratulations to everybody who did. Um, today's today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, Johnny Depp showing up in Rihanna's Savage Fenty show and whether people actually really even get canceled anymore. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about some interesting stuff from a couple uh, earnings reports in, in fashion this week. The Real Real is making a push towards profitability sooner than they originally planned. And um, also Adidas finally kind of made their decision about Yeezy and Yay and and that whole thing. Um, and then finally, we're going to talk about Condé Nast suing Drake and 21 Savage for a fake Vogue cover, which I thought was very funny. He posted it on Instagram and it's just like immediately deleted. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll get to that at the end of the episode. Um, so to start, this week it came out that in the annual um, Savage Fenty Amazon Prime show thing that they do. Johnny Depp is going to, or did, make an appearance because it's it happened by now. Okay, we are not going to relitigate the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. That there has been millions of podcast hours and articles and stuff written about that. But just like the tiniest bit of context for those of you who, if you don't somehow avoided this, uh, over the summer there was a defamation trial between Johnny Depp and his ex-wife Amber Heard. Uh, it was a big media circus. There was like months of coverage. Um, basically, it boils down to Johnny Depp being accused of domestic assault. Um, so the interesting thing to me about this, there was a lot of um, negative reaction, obviously. So Johnny Depp like lost out on some stuff when this or originally happened, like he got removed from that Harry Potter movie. But in terms of fashion stuff, it didn't really do anything to any of his Deals. I mean, he he was the a face for Dior for their Sauvage fragrance stuff before the the defamation suit during the whole thing, and it continued afterwards. And now he's like continuing to get you know deals with the show. So I, I I wanted to talk about it sort of broadly, just like in fashion. Uh, sometimes people get canceled and then they don't you know quote unquote canceled. But other times it feels like it just they wait a few months and then they're back and it's no big deal. I don't know, Joe. What are your thoughts on that? Not not just with the depth thing, but just in general in fashion. Yeah, I think that there is like a resting period where you don't touch these people <laughs> that could I don't know uh, reflect on you. Their um, negative buzz surrounding them could be a reflection on the brand, like you said, Johnny Depp the face of the Dior fragrance. It didn't reflect poorly on Dior. They're chugging along. They kept him on. They did get public bash backlash, social backlash. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Eliano was um, canceled years ago. Um, he said some not great things. Mm -hmm. You know, he's in the Dior exhibit right now that I was at in, in Paris recently. And I mean... The clothes are beautiful. Like that, that's just that. Like here it is. People are embracing him again. You start to see him out and about again. Um, again, I don't know that the embrace is from that point on as maybe um exclamation point excited as it maybe had been in the past. I think that there are these people are always tainted um and people don't want to get too close. 
um, and TBD, what happens? I know we're going to talk about Kanye um, from Mm -hmm. here because literally I'm sure he's lost many a follower, but um, he still has millions and he's people are still listening to what he's saying. And I mean, I think what he's saying is I want to go it alone. I think that that will, will be his course of action for many years before he like, I don't know, wins somebody over. Um, but yeah, touch it with a 10 foot yeah. pole or whatever they say. Um, I think that that's yeah. wise. And P.S. Rihanna, why people are questioning this even more so is she is a domestic violence victim. So they're like, why do you want to canoodle with this guy? It's just like a strange decision all around. But you're right. I mean, on the on the Kanye topic, I was definitely one of the things I wanted to talk about with this topic is I feel like at this moment, nobody wants to touch him. He's been repudiated by all his allies and collaborators. Honestly, I can easily see a time, maybe even like a barely a couple of months where all it takes is, you know, one Balenciagas or somebody to drop something with him and then give everyone permission to like work with him again. Um, not saying that they should, but I could just see I could see that happening. I feel like for public opinion and, and the way, you know, big companies respond to it, it kind of only matters as long as people are paying attention and and like if they if the heat dies down a little bit and they can still make money with a partnership like that and and the money they can make is more than whatever reputational damage they suffer from working with somebody like that you know the money people will do the calculation and they'll probably end up going for it it it, i was thinking also of the dolce and gabbana guys who i feel like have had a million different controversies you know there was the the thing where they're I think their their DMs got out. I forget which one of the two it was um, saying horrible things about China and Chinese people. And then, you know, first he was like, I was hacked. It wasn't me. And then he kind of apologized. And then a couple of months later, they're back to doing business in China. And it's I feel like it was kind of forgotten. And, and I think it goes like that when there's still money to be made. Yes. And when somebody influential folks uh, kind of say, it's okay, like the Kardashians. It's funny how it sticks in your head. I can remember, this is so random, but like shopping for Christmas gifts last year, and I was like, oh, this is cute. I like to, you know, get people fashion-y things, and Dolce & Gabbana makes a pasta, and it's so cute. And I'm like, that would be a great gift. And I'm like, Dolce & Gabbana, that's a bad look. And I just decided not to do it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. This is a representation of yourself. Let's put, you know, give something controversial. No. So I don't know. I I think this day and age, when you're putting your stamp on something, you better stand behind all all the all that you know about them. Like if if it's not out there and you find out later, then maybe you can like retract, but it's out there. Yeah, definitely. It's I, I'm always a little cynical about companies, you know apologizing for stuff when they when they do something wrong or if they work with somebody who has done something wrong. I mean, I was just um, talking to uh, a lawyer, Rania Sedum, um, last week who works with a lot of fashion stuff. And she was telling me that a lot of the contracts that she's been negotiating with with brands and collaborators, because she kind of helps oversee that for a couple of clients, she's added in like morality clauses, which is basically if you're working with somebody and they start being anti-Semitic or whatever, or, you know, do something that violates some ethical standard that's part of your values, that's a valid reason to 
to end the partnership. Um, I don't know if Adidas and Kanye had something like that, but I mean, that partnership was already kind of ending before this. You know, I feel like maybe the, the all his crazy anti-Semitic comments maybe just gave them a, a final good push to just end it, but it was clearly already going that way. Yeah. So anyway. On the beauty side, we've written a lot of stories about that, about, um, well, even into influencer contracts. Um, this happened a lot with, uh, I know Jeffree Star was, was controversial. Brands dropped him. Um, who else? Charles. James Charles. Um, James so, Charles, yeah. Yeah. So there have been a lot of like breakups and this has changed influencer marketing for sure as everything is on social media. Things go viral, bad things, good things. Um, so yeah, new con- <laughs> new contracts, new rules. P.S. Yeah. I This just aired. So it's Rihanna's Savage and Fenty fashion show. Like this always sees great viewership um what mm-hmm. how johnny depp is featured <laughs> apparently i don't know he's like smoldering and like leaning against a tree and like <laughs> looking mm-hmm. looking at the camera i mean this is just like it's it's and it's gosh i want to say it's like almost it's not a variety show but it's definitely there are a lot of like cameos by famous people it's part of it um a variety of people in past shows um her choreographer, who's very well known for um, doing routines for like um, J-Lo and others, made an appearance as a model. Um, you kind of never know who you're going to see. Um, Cara Delevingne has been in it. So I feel like, anyway, that it's him, it's disappointing, but that it's a celebrity that's unexpected, not unexpected. I don't that, know. I do want to watch. I haven't seen it. How about you? Um, oh, I was going to say, it reminds me, speaking of not knowing who you're going to see, it's like uh, a while ago when Dave Chappelle, the comedian, was deep into his like anti, his like transphobia like era, basically. There were, you know, several weeks where people would go to stand up shows at random comedy clubs and find out that Dave Chappelle is a special guest. And I remember seeing some joke of like, it's like a jump scare almost. Like, am I, am I going to, see him like is he gonna did i sign up for this yeah and i feel you know maybe the the savage fendi thing's a little bit like that i don't know if i necessarily <laughs> sat down expecting to see somebody accused of domestic assault when i sat down to watch this but Wee. it just it just happens Lord. um also we should move on but last thing i want to say about this um there was a women's wear daily report that after the trial um dior sauvage which he's the face of saw a big boost of sales from like Depp fans buying it and that he still has that contract and I think they're paying him even more for it now than they were before. So he oh, was basically the opposite of canceled. Oh um, my lord. Which is all getting more money and really more exposure. is good press for a brand. It's crazy. Yeah. Let's move on though. I wanted to talk about the real real. So um we've talked about them a bunch in resale in general on this podcast. I think it was earlier this year or maybe end of last year they talked about really wanting to push towards getting to profitability. They have never been profitable, which is not unheard of for a lot of, you know, venture backed or startup kind of fashion companies. Um, but definitely it feels like right now in the economic environment we're in, a lot of uh, investors want their companies to turn a profit and there's not as much free flowing money around. So uh, the real real said this week in their earnings that they're going to try and push their profitability timeline faster. So there and they are making progress. Um, this past quarter, their losses were forty-seven million dollars. Last year, it was fifty-seven million dollars in the same time period. Um, so they are making progress. 
things I wanted to bring up is and, and ask you about, Jill, is how they're going to get there because they had a couple of interesting ideas. One of them is they, they said they want to incentivize more expensive purchases, like high-value purchases, because um, one of the things they've seen is people... Uh, like revenue has gone up, but people are buying less expensive things. And real real's kind of been known for these like super luxury, you know, expensive things. One of the the things they want to do is um, a warranty program, which I'm assuming means if you buy some super expensive watch, you have, you know, a warranty, whether that means repairs or returning it or something like that. Um, I could cool. see that making people more confident buying some big piece if you know that it comes with a warranty. But from my understanding, that's also kind of expensive sometimes too, because now you're you're gonna expect some returns, repairs, revenue you might get, you might have to give back, um, which could add to expenses. Um, what what are your thoughts on the ways they might kind of try to push profitability? Because the other thing would, in addition to increasing revenue, would be to just cut costs. So. Uh, possible yeah. layoffs or something like that but who knows yeah I, I initially thought oh wow layoffs are coming they're going to be closing stores how are they going to uh, reach profitability their goal is 2024 um, they said they're still on track um, I think that warranty I actually didn't know about that that's really smart and when you first said it I was like Oh my God, that's a bad look. Cause I was I was thinking in terms of like authenticity. And I'm like, oh, this this isn't authentic. I, I I want my money back. But in terms of watches and things like that, like my mother just bought a an Apple Watch on Amazon that was refurbished. And she's like, but there's the Amazon warranty. And that like made her go for it, you know? Um, and I didn't know that was a thing either. <laughs> so anyway, this I guess is becoming a standard. Um, and it will be expected by more by more e-commerce companies. I think it's smart. Um, something that was noteworthy to me in their um, earnings, which I don't know if it was called out, but um, it was just the fact that it, I think it was called out as a good thing that um, most of the volume driven 80, a large percentage, 84% was from re repeat buyers, which good. Mm -hmm. But I think where there maybe um, could see some expedited growth, like are they not acquiring new customers? Is it because they are not marketing like maybe they used to and that's how they're saving money? Um, not sure. And I also was really cued into that number, um, gross merchandise value, um, which again for the quarter, it was $441 million. Um, because Vestier Collective is like coming up hot under their butts in terms of competition. Yep. They just, um, within the last year, acquired TradeZ, which is the U.S. resale, luxury resale site. Um, and now the U.S. is its largest market. I know this because maybe an executive is maybe on our Glossy 50. And I was just reading about this. Um, hey, guys, mm. that goes live on Monday. Anyway, um, but... Um, Vestiaire, um, when they acquired TradeZ, they were only reported that they see about a billion dollars in annual um, gross merchandise value. So the real real is still is still up there. It's still um, far out, you know, outperforming more so than quarterly. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Then it's definitely more. Yeah, um, yeah. That that's really interesting. And and the final thing I wanted to say about that is they also have uh, one of their plans is data monetization. Um, which I'm, I'm not clear if they mean um, selling or sharing that data with brands or, or with like third parties or retailers or other resellers or what. Um, I could see them leveraging the data they have, which with all that 
merchandise going through. I'm sure they've got tons of information and I know they use it internally. Um, I could see them leveraging that to kind of trade with the brands in exchange for, you know, partnerships or, you know, some other sort of um, official integration, but they also might just sell it to, you know, third party data dumps and advertisers and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'd be I'm very curious to see the specifics of how some of these cost cutting and revenue boosting um, strategies are going to play out. But for now, I think I definitely think you're right. I don't think this was mentioned, but layoffs and store closures don't seem out of the question. Yeah, and we we were talking about this offline. You got to wonder if um, they're going to go in hard on these brand partnerships. Um, they recently established one with Jimmy Choo, which very vaguely reported. And as we just dug in, we're like, ooh, are they doing kind of resale as a service with them? Um, that's a big opportunity that they're not taking advantage of, but that a lot of their competitors are. Um, and it's more so where, um, I guess, you can sell your shoes through Jimmy Choo, um, I guess, consign, and then they'll eventually be sold on the resale what am I saying? The real reels or site. The real, real. Yeah. So it won't be sold um, on Jimmy Choo's site or within Jimmy Choo's stores. It's almost, I believe right. it's close to what they did with um, Stella McCartney, maybe Gucci. Mm -hmm. I know they had official partnerships with them as well, um, but they're definitely going about those partnerships differently. And it, it sounds, um, from my understanding, very similar to how ThreadUp does it. A lot of the partnerships that ThreadUp does with brands is the same way where you can sell through the brand to ThreadUp, but then they just sell it on ThreadUp. Like you, so um, yeah, I, I, that's actually very similar. And ThreadUp, You're I think, right. has a a big a, a bit of a a lead on those sort of they call it resale as a service partnerships. But it's definitely interesting. I didn't know about the the real real Jimmy Choo thing until you told me, and I didn't even know that they were doing partnerships like that. So I think that's pretty new. Yeah, um, I wonder if they get like I mean, a bag, like like tradesy, like when you get your shoes, yeah. if you want to resell. Anyway, that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Less uh, less news, but the um, Adidas earnings were also this week, and they did confirm kind of what everybody was expecting, which is that they're going to keep selling the same designs of Yeezy sneakers, just not under the Yeezy name, um, which, by the way, that was one of the things that Kanye was mad about, was them basically reusing or taking designs that were meant for Yeezy and selling them under Adidas. So the, the slides and there was a couple other styles that he sort of called out as basically being Yeezy, Yeezy type designs that were not being sold as Yeezy sneakers. So I wonder if that was a little bit of um, laying the groundwork on Adidas's part to just start kind of getting the ball rolling on making Yeezy like stuff outside of Yeezy in anticipation of this exact situation. So whether it was or not, it ended up working out for them because they're just going to continue doing that. Chug along. Yeah, definitely some setbacks in terms of their earnings. But um, yeah, they have a plan. New CEO, yeah? Yes. So Adidas did name a new CEO. Uh, the CEO of Puma, Bjorn Golden, just got named as the time of we're recording this Wednesday. Um, he was just named the new CEO uh, of Adidas. So Casper Rorstad is out. Um, but yeah, interesting to see where they go from here and you know, how if people will continue to, I'm sure people will buy non Yeezy sneakers um, under the, you know, under the Adidas name. But I wonder if they'll have the same sort of sneakerhead obsessive cachet um, because Adidas does like they're they're not Nike in terms of 
the the super high anticipation and people lining up down the street and stuff. Um, but outside the like, there are some Adidas sneakers and collaborations that they do that definitely get attention from that kind of crowd. But but yeah. Yeezy, I think, was their their crown jewel for, for that sort of to audience. Me. Do you think it's weird that they're continuing to make the look? I feel like people don't want to think want others to think that they're wearing Yeezy right now. <laughs> And I feel like if yeah. you're saying we're not working with him, but we like his style. I don't like what is but he saying? <laughs> yeah, I definitely think there's a, a question there of like if their goal is to sort of distance themselves from this person because he's toxic in some way, but then they're going to keep making the things that he designed um, or helped design. It, it definitely raises a question. And I think, again, that's why I, I just I would like to see how sales of of not Yeezy go in the next couple quarters and how people react. It might be the case that the average consumer, no change at all, they keep buying not Yeezys and it's it's literally makes no difference whether Kanye's there or not. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think of the three possibilities, which is that no change or they completely tank and nobody wants them anymore or kind of in the middle, I feel like the them staying the same or just being maybe a little bit less exciting is are probably the most likely. I doubt people are going to totally just stop buying these these sneakers. Um, and I also don't think they're going to be more popular than they were. You know, I, I imagine it'll probably hover around the same. Yeah. But that's just my about the guess. price point, about um, if they are more affordable and if people, like you said, it, it goes more mainstream versus like sneakerhead and people want it now because they can get it more readily. Yeah, definitely. And P.S., the CEO of uh, Puma. Puma has great experience with um, these celebrity collaborations. They did it in a different way where, where it wasn't like long-term necessarily, but with huge folks like um, Selena Gomez and Kylie Jenner, um, Zendaya maybe at one point. I'm not sure. But um, definitely this is like there's good overlap with these brands. I mean, all activewear brands, but this feels like a fit to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, let's talk about our last topic, and we'll just we'll just touch on it quickly. There's there's not so a ton fun. of business interest. Deep. It's very funny, but it, there's there's maybe not a ton of business you know strategy <laughs> lessons to be learned here. But I just think it's very funny. So Condé Nast, which is obviously the publisher of a bunch of magazines, The New Yorker and other things, but notably Vogue, uh, is suing Drake and Twenty One Savage because their promotional campaign for their new album, which is called Her Loss. Um, the the campaigns, the gist of it is that there's all these like fake, like they call it like a spoof of different media, um, the kinds of media things that people do on, on press tours. Um, so there's a fake uh, SNL musical guest video that they filmed where it's not actually on SNL and it was he was not a musical guest, but it's like in a studio that looks like that and stuff. Um, but one of the things was a fake Vogue magazine cover and also a Photoshopped image of Drake and Anna Wintour together. And <laughs> and so Condé, and Condé Nast had nothing to do with it. And Vogue is not there. He is not going to be on the cover of Vogue and he didn't get a picture with Anna Wintour. Um, so they're suing Drake and Tony and Savage for $4 million, um, which is kind of dropping the bucket, I feel like, for all involved. That's, that's not that much. Um, but 
the the fake Vogue cover is like gone from the internet. It's not on his Instagram anymore. And he had posted the picture of him and Anna Winter with a very funny caption, which was like, me and my brother, 21 Savage, me and my brother on newsstands tomorrow. Thanks at Vogue magazine and Anna Wintour for the love and support on this historic moment. You like tagged them directly. And there's, in my opinion, there's nothing really there to indicate that this is supposed to be a joke or a parody. It just looks like a normal Vogue magazine cover. And Drake, it's not like unbelievable that Drake would be on the cover of Vogue. That's not that crazy. So if the legal standard is it would cause confusion, I think it's 100% they're, they're going to win because it's very confusing. I feel like this is like we're talking about cancellation. I feel like Vogue is very uptight right now. I almost want to say lighten up Vogue, like in this age of memes. And I know, you know, whatever. There, we talked about the the Vogue challenge happened in summer 2020 where everyone was hij- hijacking the the Vogue mm-hmm. logo um, on social media and putting themselves um, in a cover. And uh, there, there were a lot of stories about how it was really like, I, I guess, I guess expanding Vogue, like showcasing like Vogue could be much more inclusive, like different um, black founders did it, different, um, a diverse array of artists. And um, it was really kind of like, okay, Vogue is the ultimate, the authority, but um, man, if you expanded it, like it showcased that there's so much talent in the world that they're not tapping. Like there were a lot of stories calling out that the first, um, Black photographer didn't shoot for the cover until two years prior, like 2018, which is crazy. So it just showed like how diverse and the opportunities and what they were not doing. Um, And they had fun with it. Vogue covered it and wrote a story about it. And um, it's just, it swept the nation. So you're, and you're right that they seem like particularly kind, especially because all of the other, from what I saw, all of the other media outlets or or places that were all sort of parodied, I guess, uh, in this campaign, all kind of took it very lightly. Um, there was a fake NPR Tiny Desk concert and NPR Music, I think on their Twitter account, responded and very jokingly they were like, let's make it happen for real, though. And NPR wrote an article about it that was very like taking it very in stride. They were like, no, it wasn't real, but like, we're happy to have Drake come do a Tiny Desk concert if he wants. Um, but I did see in the article that NPR wrote about it, they mentioned that they had employees who thought it was real and were texting and emailing, like trying to confirm. I didn't know we were having Drake do it. So it definitely, I think, does not make its parodic nature very clear. It just looks real. And again, he's Drake. It's not unthinkable that he would do a NPR Tiny Desk concert or appear on Howard Stern or something. Yeah, um, I love that NPR response. And I think yeah. the uptight, Ness uptight nature of this has to do with number one, Kanye. Everybody is they're in bed with Kanye. Everything's coming back to Kanye. Basically, like they, yeah, Kanye sat next to Anna, Anna front row at a lot of shows, and um, he's been on the cover of Vogue. I'm sure they're distancing themselves. They have. They've made a statement um, with uh, around accusations and around his behavior, Um, but also around this. What is it called? This new album? Um, Her Loss. Her Loss. loss. Um, Apparently, a lot of controversy. Like, it's controversial in itself. So that, to me, okay. I understand why you would want to say. We have nothing to do with this. Um, Apparently, I guess it attacks (laughs) some women. Like, it says things about, like, Megan Thee Stallion. Um, And also, uh, what else? Oh, yes. I did see that. Yeah. So there's controversy, but 
controversy behind it, um, which probably is what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're just a little sensitive. It is funny, though, just how everyone else kind of took it so lightly and and folk. I, I think, though, the last thing I'll say is I from the reading the reporting about it, I kind of got the sense I think Vogue knew about this beforehand and then just like waited until it came out to sue, which I guess maybe they needed to do for legal reasons because you can't sue somebody for something that hasn't happened yet. But I think they were aware ahead of time. Um, I, I don't know about all the others, but maybe they, they had heard or, or maybe Drake and his people had reached out or something. Um, but whatever it was, they were not happy. So. Yeah, um, I think they denied like it was in discussion and they said no. And then they did it anyways, from what I understand. Did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This, you know, this is so random. I was literally just reading Weird Al's Wikipedia page <laughs> the other day and he was saying that he always sent does. every song to. Yeah, I, I saw I saw the trailer for the movie with Daniel Radcliffe and it looks very funny. But he said he always sends his songs to the to the artist beforehand for approval, even though he doesn't technically legally need to. And if they say no, he doesn't do it. So Drake did not do the Weird Al method. Anyway, we can, we can stop there. Or um, maybe he was unclear about what he was going to, you know. He he said one thing and did another, like the whole Kanye Taylor calling her a bitch fiasco. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that too. Wow, there so much stuff has happened. So much Kanye involved in all of this. <laughs> Every single topic we talked about today came back to Kanye. Um, but let's end it there. Jill, thank you so much. This is always so fun. Um, for those of you listening, you should give the Glossy Podcast a rating and a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. That really helps us out a lot. And you should also make sure you subscribe to the Glossy Podcast, again, wherever you're listening, because we've got weekend review episodes every Friday, me and Jill, or sometimes me and other people on the Glossy team. And every Wednesday, Jill or I interview some interesting person uh, in the fashion industry. Um, Jill, who's our next episode with? Up next, Jennifer Meyer, LA jewelry designer that's growing her categories, uh, formerly uh, married to a celebrity. So anyway, check it out. It's so fun. Okay, cool. So that will be on Wednesday. And then next Friday, we'll be back with more Week in Review. Uh, Thank you so much, Jill, for being here. And thanks for listening. 